In our study of scripture, God represents himself with two equally important truths. The law which points to his perfection and the order that guides our steps. This is his story. Good morning, Parkway Church. How are we doing? So glad you've joined us today. And let me just say thank you, thank you, thank you to our worship teams that lead each and every week at our locations, whether at Lone Tree or Port Lavaca or Parkway Victoria. Let's give everybody just a big thank you. Yay, God, for their leadership and what they do week in and week out. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today to continue our series. This year, our plan is very simple. We're opening our Bibles, and we're going to get to see the major players in Scripture, get to see the major theological threads that run throughout Scripture, get to see the storyline of the people of God. And now we're in a series entitled Law and Order, where we are looking at three challenging books of the Bible, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I joked last week and said that Leviticus is the place where all good Bible reading plans come to a screeching halt. We read Genesis and Exodus, and we're like, yes, yes, yes. And we get to Leviticus, and we're like, what? (laughs) And we looked last week and said, you know, Leviticus is all about the fact that we have a holy God who desires to live in relationship with unholy people. That's you and me. So he gave us laws so that we could honor him, and he gave us a sacrificial system so that the people of God could have some rituals that remind them of their relationship with God. Well, today we're going to continue... And look at the book of Numbers. Now, the book of Numbers, here's the big picture on it. The book of Numbers is uh, is the story of God's people as they wander through the desert. And, And it's listed in excruciating detail. The reason it's called the book of Numbers is because there's a census, there's a counting, there's a numbering of God's people, not once but twice in the book of Numbers. What we see in the book of Numbers is that God wants to lead his people and shape them all of their lives to honor him. He wants them to know how to worship him, how to serve him, how to obey him, how to live a life that's pleasing to him. And so as we see in the book of Numbers, God's going to give a lot of direction and leadership. And God's people are going to get it right sometimes and, like us, get it wrong most of the time. And so what we're going to see is God's people testing his patience and God testing his people as we study through the book of Numbers. So today we're going to look at a special, like a special place that God created for his people in this wilderness period. And this special place is called the tabernacle. We're going to look at this special dwelling place that God created for himself so that he could be with his people. And what I hope you see through today's message, and what I hope you see through the big picture of what we've studied so far this year, is all that God will do so that you will live in relationship with him. He created us in the book of Genesis, in his image, so that we might live in relationship with him. When sin affected every part of the world, he corrected the people and judged sin and restarted after Noah and the ark. When he looked down and saw Abraham, he chose his people. 
And he made a covenant, a promise with Abraham that said, you're going to be the father of a great nation. You're old, your wife is barren, but you're going to be the father of a great nation. And all nations will be blessed through you. God wanted so much to have a relationship with us that he looked at Abraham and said, I choose you. He looked at the Hebrew people and said, I choose y'all to be my people. And then we see the people of God in captivity for 400 years in Egypt. They'd escaped to Egypt, so there was food to eat during the famine, and yet now they're being mistreated by Pharaoh. And God wanted to be in relationship with them so much, freed from their captivity, that he sent them a stuttering spokesperson. His name was Moses. And Moses, with the hand and power of God at work around him, freed God's people. God wanted so much to live in relationship with his people that now they're out wandering in the desert. And he says, look at your lives. I am holy and you're not. So there are some things that you need to cease and desist in your life. You need to repent and return to me. And that's what we talked about last week. And now we look and we see this tabernacle, this meeting place that God gave his people. The tabernacle was first given to God's people in the book of Exodus. God told Moses that you're to build this place that's a dwelling place for me and my people. I want my people to know that I am their God and that they are my people. And so as they wander in the wilderness, they are not alone. I am with them. And I'm going to give them proof that I'm with them. And that's what the tabernacle is. It's the dwelling place of God. So let's look at scripture and see how this all came to play. We're going to start in the book of Exodus, Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9, because God gave Moses detailed instructions on how to build this tent, this meeting place with God. Exodus 25, 8 and 9, here's what the Bible says. Then have them make a sanctuary for me. I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle in all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So one year after they were freed from Pharaoh's captivity, one year after the first Passover, this tabernacle is built. And, and I love this, this picture. Then have them make a sanctuary for me. For some of us in our culture, the word sanctuary has become a bad word. But in this culture, in this day, with these people wandering in the wilderness, this sanctuary was a safe place for God to meet with his people. This sanctuary was a place where God's people could, could be with him and know that he is with them. Let's keep reading Exodus 29. Why is God wanting to build this? Exodus 29, 45, and 46. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So they cried out and God freed them. As they were freed, they were told, hey, here's how you live a holy life and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to prove that you're my people and I am your God and you're going, to, you're going to see where I live and where I dwell. You're not going to have to wonder where is God and where is God leading us because the tabernacle will clear all of this up. The tabernacle will be a place of worship and a place of surrender and a place of obedience and a way of following God's leadership while in the wilderness for God's people. 
And so let's just see how this played out in the book of Numbers. So if you brought your Bible, open up with me to Numbers chapter 9. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We'll continue to put the verses up on the screens and in the outline we gave you. But in Numbers chapter 9, listen to how this dwelling place, a tent, became a way for God's people to relate to him and to follow him and to depend upon him. Listen to this. Numbers 9 verse 15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it. So what we're about to see is God's leadership of his people. The tent was built and a cloud covered it during the day. What happened at night? From evening until morning, the hours of darkness, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. Now this cloud and this fire is a picture of the Spirit of God leading his people in the wilderness. So this dwelling place of God, you see the Spirit of God hovering over it night and day. In the day, it's a cloud. In the night, it's a fire. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. This is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and the night looked like, and in the night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. You're going to see this pattern repeated over and over again as we read here in Numbers chapter 9. When God stayed, the people stayed. When God went, the people went. When the cloud stayed, the people stayed. When the fire went, the people went. It was their way of obeying and depending upon God. And you're going to see it over and over again. So let's finish it. Verse 19. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, The Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Verse 20, sometimes the cloud over the tabernacle, the cloud was over the tabernacle only for a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at the Lord's command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed from evening to morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. As you see this meeting place with God, do you see the hand of God and the Spirit of God leading his people along their way? They had been freed from captivity and they're on their way to the promised land. And here, by his personal presence, he is leading his people. What a beautiful picture of God's care and concern for his people and for you and for me. Whether the clouds stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's orders in accordance with his command through Moses. So that brings us to a very, very important question. We've seen that God is leading his people so that he will know that they are his people and they will know he is our God. He's leading his people so that they will obey him. Where he moves, they move. Where they stay, where he stays, they stay. And that brings us to our most important question of the day. If you've been around with us for the last weeks, you know what our important question of the day is now, don't you? It begins with a so and it ends with a what? So I want to hear it on three, every location, Lone Tree, Port Lavaca, so loud, 
We can hear it here, please. Parkway Online, go ahead and type it, all right? Here's what we're going to do. Three, two, one. Mike, so what that God created us for relationship? Mike, so what that he corrected us and flooded the world? Mike, so what that he chose us and we're a part of Abraham's promise? Mike, so what that he freed the Hebrew people from captivity? Mike, so what that Moses stutters? Mike, so what that God now, as he's leading his people through the wilderness, told them to set up a tent and tear down a tent? I can do that. Went camping this weekend. Mike, so what? What's the big takeaway in my world today? Well, the big takeaway is this. I look at how God led his people in the wilderness, and I know this. God still leads his people just like that today. Say, Mike, God still leads his people like that today? I don't see a cloud above your head. You're right. I don't see a fire above your head. Thank God. But you say God still leads today like he did then? Yes, and you can fill in this blank. God still leads today because God still leads by his spirit. As God was guiding his people through the wilderness with his presence, he was doing so with the power of the Holy Spirit. And friends, that's the exact same way that God leads you and me as believers in Jesus Christ today. We can look back at the tabernacle and know that we've got the upgrade. We've got God, his presence, his spirit in our life every day. And he still leads us by his spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, that's the day when Jesus said, you wait and you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses first here and then to the ends of the earth. When the day of Pentecost came, that's that day. They were all together in one place. Those are his followers. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Friends, in the Old Testament, the cloud and the fire hung over the community. Because we're believers in Jesus Christ, his leadership, the cloud and the fire, don't live over a community of people, but live over each one of us and dwell in us as believers in Jesus Christ. What God did for them, he is still doing for you. Here's some implications of that. First of all, you've got just as much of God as I've got. You've got just as much of God as Billy Graham has. Why? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, his spirit lives in you. He wants to live with you and dwell in you so much that you are now the residence of God. No longer is it tabernacles and tents, but it's people and human hearts because God wants to be in relationship with us. He still leads his people. And I think we should be grateful that God leads us individually now. Because otherwise, we'd all be going to Jason's Deli for lunch today. Be a long line, right? God, where do you want me to eat? Follow the cloud, Mike. God, who do you want me to marry? Well, I'm already married, so I can answer that one. It's Christy. But if you're single, God, who do you want me to marry? Make that flame land on her, right? Like, 
I'm glad that God leads us personally now and not with just collective questions from the community. Because you might be wondering, God, where do you want me to work? His spirit can lead you there. You might be wondering, God, how am I going to get through this difficult season? His spirit will walk with you in this season. God, you might wonder, or you might wonder, God, how in the world can I follow you? Well, the spirit of God lives in you. And he loves you so much that his spirit came so that you would have life, so you'd be convicted, so that you'd have gifts, so that you could worship, so that you could be used by him. He loves you that much. The second, so what, is this. There's coming a day, and you can fill in this blank, where God will dwell with his people again. Not only does God live in our heart, but there's coming a day, and you can fill in this blank, when God will make his dwelling among people again. He will make his dwelling with us. Wouldn't it have been awesome if you're a part of the Hebrew camp around the tabernacle? I mean, they, they told the Israelites where to camp around the tabernacle specifically by family groups. Wouldn't it have been cool you go like, hey, we are three rights and a left from God. Oh, no, we're four rights in a, in, a, in, a, in a roundabout from God. That's where we are. Go to the third stoplight and take a right from God, and that's where we are. I mean, how awesome would that be? Because that's what they physically had, the dwelling place of God. It'd be like in our world if we pulled up Google Maps, and God is right there. And we see our house, our lives, our jobs in relationship to the physical presence of God. How awesome would that be? Let me tell you, there's coming a day when that will be our reality too. By faith, the Holy Spirit of God not only lives in our life, but the Holy Spirit of God is God's guarantee that we are his. And there's coming a day when God will make his dwelling with us again, and that's heaven. And we encourage you to look, because there are days when you need to follow God's leadership here on earth, and to follow God's leadership here on earth, you need to remember there's a higher purpose, there's a higher calling, there's another day. I am faithful today because God is always faithful tomorrow. I will be obedient today because there's coming a day when God will make all the wrongs right. There's coming a day when we will dwell with him again. Listen to what the book of Revelation says, Revelation 21, 2 through 4. I saw the holy city. This is when everything is recreated. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Why? They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. So you see in the book of Numbers, God says, I'm going to be with you so that you know that I am your God and you are my people. And then we see in the book of Revelation that God says, I will again be with you. Why? So that you will know you are my people and you will know that I am your God. His heart for you to know that you're his and his heart for you to follow his leadership is unchanged. From the beginning to the end, he says, I love you, and you can follow me. You say, Mike, we yelled so what at you a moment ago, and then you just 
nailed two perfectly profound points supported by Scripture. Might one think that we're near the end of the talk? One might, but one would be wrong. Because today isn't just a so what day. Today is also a now what day. So so I want to hear that too. Not only do we ask so what, but we say now what. So let's hear it on three. One, two, three. Now what, Mike? I get it that God's spirit lives in me. Mike, now what can I do to keep my eyes on heaven and my heart connected to God and hopeful in him even while I live on earth? Mike, now what can I do to live in his presence today? Well, that's where the whole idea of sequester comes in. That we are going to do some things to isolate ourselves. We're going to do some things to focus our attention, to limit the input, to limit all the distractions. We're going to sequester ourselves like a jury making a decision because we want to focus in on our relationship with God. And I got three simple ways that you can do it. The first one is this. We need to moment by moment sequester ourselves to be with the Lord through ongoing prayer. This is our ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. Friends, because the Holy Spirit of God resides in you, You don't have to go to a place to pray. You don't have to pray through a person. Because the Holy Spirit of God is in you, you can pray and relate to God wherever you are, no matter what you're going through. A couple of weeks ago, when one of my daughters was hospitalized, I I went to to the family room, and I was getting some ice for a Diet Coke, and I was praying. Because when one of your kids is sick, you need Diet Coke and you need prayer. And and as I was praying, I I was actually singing a song that we worshiped with the week before, reminding me of God's presence, reminding me of his faithfulness, reminding me of who he is and what he's done for us. And so I hope this week, as you're going through your everyday life, you're singing to God in in your heart and in your mind. I wasn't singing out loud because they might have put me in a room with my daughter, right? Ooh, something's wrong with that voice. Let's fix it. But maybe this week, as you're going through your everyday life, you're going you're gonna to sing along. You're going to say, God, would you do it again? I've seen you move. You move the mountains. God, would you do it again? God, you have been faithful to me. You've never failed me yet. God, I'm trusting you. That's one of the ways that the ongoing conversation with God happens, is we sing and we worship to him even by ourselves. There's another way the conversation continues. Like, you can pray with your eyes open when you're driving. I do that all the time. I mean, sometimes I pray with my eyes closed when I'm driving. (laughs) Not really. Friends, do you realize that eyes closed, eyes open doesn't matter? It's a matter of can you sequester yourself and focus minute by minute on the relationship with God that he's given you? The place doesn't matter. The only person that you pray through for power is Jesus Christ because we pray in the name of Jesus. So if you want to sequester yourself and see God lead you like he led his people, you need to be praying ongoing conversation with God. He cares about the decisions you make, and he will give you wisdom and insight every step of the way as you talk with him and as you trust him. Second thing, and before I fill in the blank on this one, what if I could tell you the one thing that you could do that would strengthen your relationship with God and change your relationship with others? 
What if I could tell you the one thing that, that both the word of God and those that study life change in people, like what if I could tell you the one thing that they say, if you did this, you would see things differently and you would react and respond differently. You would, if I could tell you that one thing, would you want it? Absolutely. Here it is. Second thing to do is a consistent time, and you can fill in this blank, a consistent reading, consistent time in God's word every day. So we look moment by moment, we're worshiping and praying to him. And then we look daily and we say, I want to have a consistent time in God's word. Every day at 8.03, I read from the Bible. Every day. Whether it's Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday, every day 8.03, I read a scripture from the Bible. And you say, OCD Bible boy? <laughs> well, maybe just a little. But, but here's my secret. At 8.03, I receive a text from Parkway Church every day. Just one simple verse that reminds me of the truth of God's word. And some days, that's the exact verse that I need. Other days, it just reminds me of how good God is. But 8.03 is a discipline for me because I signed up for the text. 8.03 is a discipline for me because I know that I need God's word consistently. And even as your pastor, sometimes I need God's word pushed to my phone because I might not punch the Bible app enough on my own. 8.03 is a discipline for me. What's your discipline? To get into the Bible regularly. In fact, if you say, Mike, I want to read the Bible with you at 8.03, you can even do that. Here's how you do it. You can sign up for the text, not quotes, but I like to do air quotes because then it's cool. But you sign up for the text by texting T-H-E-E-T-E-X-T -E -E to 40650. Say, Mike, I didn't get any of that. Well, I'm going to give it to you one more time. You text the text, T-H-E-E, text to 40650. And by Tuesday, 8.03 can be a discipline for me and for you. So I encourage you, if you don't have a discipline where you're stepping into God's word consistently, take that step. First, ongoing conversation. Second, daily feeding from God's word. Third, if we're going to follow the leadership of God we need a weekly time of worship and connection with other believers. What we do here is the church of God is unique to any other place in the world. Nowhere else do we come and sing to the perfect God. Nowhere else do we bend our knee and our heart and our eyes and our head and submit ourselves to God. Nowhere else do we stand and listen to a guy teach from a book that's thousands of years old that has authority over our life. Nowhere else do we do what we do when we worship God. So we need it. We need it. And we need that connection with people so that we can sequester ourselves and say, you know what, this is God's time. This is God's space in my life to move and to work. Friends, as you consider your next step today, as your pastor, I want you to know how much I love you and how much I'm grateful for seeing God work in the life of our church. I was able to be a part of the next weekend and just so proud of all of our student ministries from each of our campuses. 
ninth grade girls from Parkway, Victoria stayed at the house with me and Christy, and, and they were amazing kids. And then I got to teach a little bit, and I got to hang out with them a lot. And I just thank God for his work among our students. And I thank God for his work among your heart and in your life. And as, as you think about your next step, what are you going to do to sequester yourself? To know that you are God's and he is yours. To know that you can follow his leadership. What are you going to do to sequester yourself? Friends, you can do this. And as you think about your next step, I want to share with you a priestly blessing from the book of Numbers. Here it is. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. As your pastor that loves you and is seeing God work in you, this is my prayer for you this week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word. And Lord, I pray that we would follow you like the people of God followed you in the book of Numbers. God, you are personally committed to leading us. God, you are personally committed to our relationship with you. May we be committed too. And God, I pray now for folks in the church that are believers in Christ. Help us know our next step to continue that conversation, to have that discipline that leads to daily reading of your word, and to have that, that commitment to weekly worship and weekly connect with others so that we can sequester and be with you and see you leading our lives. Lord, none of us as believers want to lead our own lives. We ask you to do it. And we commit to encamp where you tell us to encamp and we tell you to go where you tell us to go. And we commit to go where you tell us to go. We trust you and we will follow you. Church family, would you pray just asking God to lead you this week to make his face shine upon you, to make his grace known to you? And as you do, if you're here today and you've never believed in Christ to find life, your next step isn't to follow. Your next step is to believe. Your next step is to believe that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. The Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And he invites you to believe in him and find life today. God wanted relationship with you so much and us so much that he sent his son Jesus who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and three days later raised again. He wanted relationship with us, so he gave his son for us. And if you believe in him, you will find life, a new life here on earth, and life forever with him in heaven. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 